Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 517th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today we have Mr. Bradley Gamble. He's one of the co-founders of The Selling Factory, and he does just that. He's created a factory for sales. Um, it's interesting. He is taking a unique subset of our country, one you would not think would be great salespeople, and he's making them into great salespeople because they focus on three values that we will get into in this episode. I will keep this intro short. I am packing up. I have literally packed up, um, heading to the airport, heading to Texas for some house hunting. So we may be heading back to Texas. We shall see. So I want to get this one done, get it over to my VA, get it loaded up so we stay on track. Uh, so check out my sponsor, Vidyard, and then we will get on to the episode. Vidyard is an easy-to-use yet powerful video solution that makes it simple to create videos, host them ad-free, share them with others, and track their performance. Whether you're recording a video for one person or sharing it with the world on your website, it's easy to manage your video content. The Vidyard solution is built for business. It has robust analytics, integrations with top enterprise tools like HubSpot, and customization options that answer your unique needs. Look, email isn't dead, but it sure can be boring. Use Vidyard to record and send sales videos to connect with prospects, convert opportunities, and close deals. You can put a face to your name with video. I do this. Uh, record your face, your screen, or both for prospecting videos, follow-ups, product demos, and more. Sign up for Vidyard free today by going to vidyard.com whisper. And just like all of you, the team at Vidyard can't keep up with all those promo codes on podcasts and blah, blah, blah. So they're making it easy to sign up. Okay, no promo code. Just go to vidyard.com slash whisper to start using Vidyard completely free. And as a bonus, get their high conversion virtual sales playbook. Vidyard.com slash whisper. I think I mentioned it on the last episode, but I'm doing a lot of video right now. I've always done a good bit of video. I'm doing video for a customer, Keep. Um, so if you're still trying to figure out what is the best CR, CRM for you, check out bestcrmforme.com. Bestcrmforme.com. And you will see, but I'm doing a lot of uh, us versus them type reviews, uh, both internal and uh, client facing, uh, trying to help people make the best decision. Uh, video is just key. It's taken over the world. Um, even though Clubhouse, you know, just had a guy on, we'll go live here in a few more weeks. Uh, but he's nudging me to do more on Clubhouse, which of course is uh, audio only. So we'll see as I'm bouncing around Texas these next few days, maybe I'll do some Clubhouse as we're driving in between houses because we're looking all the way from San Antonio all the way up to uh, Waco. So we shall see. But um, you will uh, you'll enjoy this this interview with Bradley, uh, great guy. Um, we talk a little college football as well as we always do. Uh, but um, he's got a unique little niche that I think uh, will help you make more sales. So let's jump into it. 
Bradley Gamble, all the way from Gainesville, Florida, co-founder of The Selling Factory. Welcome to the Sales Podcast, man. How the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Wes. How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, before this ends, I'm going to have you say Go Tigers, okay? And I'm going to have you say it and mean it, all right? You're not just going to say it just to get off the call, all right? But I digress. Man, so what is this? Outsourcing sales teams for sales development representative work. Are you telling me that you can train a pampered college graduate to be in sales? Is that possible? It is. Oh my gosh. You got some voodoo. You got some strange like swamp voodoo going on down there. What, 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 what do you do? Are you sacrificing like some nutria rats or what? I don't know, man. How, how are you doing this? Well, it starts with unbelievably talented college students uh, that want to learn, that are driven and perform at a very high level. Um, like nothing I've ever seen. Being in sales for 20 years, leading huge sales teams, uh, everywhere from 20 years old to 60 years old. Uh, Gen Z is pretty amazing. Interesting. You know, that flies in the face of conventional wisdom these days. It does. Yes. And we talk a lot about that. And uh, we talk about how when you, when you hear some of the you know, folks our age saying, you know, kids these days kind of deal. Well, we look at it and say, my gosh, you would not believe the kids these days. I don't know if it's because they grew up during the Great Recession and or and, and they've seen their parents work so hard, their families work hard. Uh, they're they're very competitive. Like they're they're. I mean, we're right here in Gainesville, Florida, University of Florida, number six school in the country. Uh, so if you're getting into UF, you're competitive, you're smart, and they realize that they need the skills to be able to get a job upon graduation and having the selling factory on their LinkedIn profile and on their resume goes a long way. So, so what are you doing then? Are, are, aren't you hiring them as employees and then it's like an inside sales team that you are outsourcing or are you training them and then sending them out on their own? So we bring students in all as W-2 employees. They're all part-time employees working anywhere from 10 to 15 hours a week because they're full-time students. Oh, okay. We bring them in. Wow, they're in college. Okay. Yep. All three semesters, spring, summer, fall, uh, we bring them in. We put them through about a three to four week training program that we've developed here, really just introducing the early stages and aspects of being a sales development rep or a, or a business development rep. So we teach them about scripts, about cadences, about who's a decision maker, what's an objection, how to handle rejection. Uh, these are all things that we go over, uh, how to sell yourself. These are all things that we go over the first three to four weeks that they're on our team. And then once they get through that initial training, they're placed on a client campaign where we have, uh, SaaS companies, consumer goods companies, all types of different companies that have chosen to outsource those SDR job functions to our teams of students, uh, which really helps our companies, our client companies, because hiring is a huge challenge right now. Turnover is a huge challenge right now. Burnout, complacency, 
that sets in and the, and the sales development rep teams, we're here as an alternative for that. Nice. Um, how are you enticing these, these students? Are, are they self-motivated? You know, cause typically they, they want a waiter, you know, waitress and, you know, make some easy money, get some free meals. Uh, I mean, selling can be hard, right? It's got, at least it's got um, some, some misnomers about it. Right. And um, you know, they're in college, you know, go to college, get a good job, right? Yeah, get a degree, get you a good job, be a doctor, an attorney, not a sales puke. Salespeople are pushy and greedy and money grubbing and, Seem like you're overcoming that. <laughs> well, so for, first off, yes, uh, that that can be the case. What we've done though is we've really made sure that companies that we're working with, um, they have a role that we can accomplish. We're not we're not uh, closing deals for enterprise. Uh, $100,000 software packages or, or things like that. That's not what we're doing. We're not, we're not doing uh, uh, long-term relationship building, six to nine month, 12 month sales cycle kind of stuff. Uh, we're there as the tip of the spear and we are, uh, our teams are researching leads, qualifying leads, setting up meetings for our clients, account executive teams or they're actually closing deals for companies if it is a more transactional type of sale. So think about uh, small manufacturer, doesn't have a sales team. Uh, they might be a, a consumer packaged goods company. They, they're a manufacturer, they don't have a sales team. They might have some distributors that they work with. Well, our teams can go through and build the list of retailers that would sell their product, uh, reach out to those retailers, get them interested in the product, make that first purchase order, follow up with their recurring purchases that they'll be doing as they sell through the, the, the product. So uh, that's stuff that our team can do and do well. And more, more importantly, a part-time person can do that. Mm -hmm. Cool. So how long does it take uh, to get them up to speed? How long before they are competent uh, and, and when you bring them on, is it just for one job? Like, you know, they're only going to be selling for this one company or are they covering the phones for multiple entities? Yeah. So when they, when they come on board, uh, they're, they're assigned to a campaign team and we could have anywhere from 10 to 15 to 18 different campaigns for client campaigns running at any given time. Uh, they start out on one campaign if they're doing well and they enjoy it. Uh, they're hitting the numbers that they're expected to hit. Uh, they're showing up on time. They're doing what they say they're going to do. And then we'll keep them on there and we'll just keep rolling with it. If, if, we, if it turns out that it might not be a good fit, you know, they're not converting at the same rate as others on that team, we might move them to a different team. And we've seen a lot of instances where somebody just doesn't connect with the company well. We move them to another client campaign and they start killing it. So a lot of it is just based on what's a good fit for them. Uh, what they're passionate about, um, and and really they they really see this as a necessary learning experience. Um, when they go to the career, you know, the career fairs that they have at the big universities, and these gigantic companies come in, and um, now it's been virtual recently, but even pre pre COVID, 
these companies, recruiters are coming in and saying, you really got to have some kind of sales experience. You got to have some experience communicating with others, even if it's working in retail, whatever it might be. So our students are going, well, I can actually make some money, make a decent wage at the selling factory, get ridiculously good experience, hone my craft, become more confident so that when those companies like Oracle or CDW or Chewy or some of these big Amazon that recruit out of University of Florida, they look at that resume and go, wow, you, you set up 100, 100 appointments for this tech company that you're working with or, or you closed $200,000 in sales for this consumer goods company while you were in school, while you're working at the selling factory. That resume, so to speak, goes in the really good pile at those mm-hmm. career fairs. And if they don't, and if they don't have that, if they don't have that to share with the recruiters, oftentimes that's when they come back and say, "Hey, I just went to career fair. I have got to get some experience. I'm an incoming junior. I got a year and a half to figure this out before I start job yeah. hunting." Uh, are there things that you look for? Are you are you testing? You know, DISC, Myers Briggs, things like that. Have you have you found some some commonality? You know, or is a good attitude enough to? to make anybody successful in sales? So we, we have three values that we talk about with our students when they come on board. First one is show up on time. Second one is do what you say you're going to do. And the third one is bring your best each day. So those three sound super simple. Of course, as you probably know, it's tougher in practice, but we share those really early on, even at the interview stage with our students. Now, what's been fantastic is, Yes, we recruit a lot of students from the College of Business at University of Florida, but we also get a lot of athletes in here. We get liberal arts and sciences. Uh, We get uh, public relations, communications, advertising school. So we have a bunch of different majors of students that come in here. I mean, we've even had some pre-med come in here as well. Maybe somebody wants to be a pharmaceutical rep or be in bio sales. They're not going to go to med school, but they're a chemistry major kind of thing. Um, But we... uh, they, they definitely come in realizing that when they leave here, they're going to be much better communicators than when they came in. Nice. Are you paying commission or is it just straight salary? Straight hourly rate. We're, we're an hourly shop. Uh, we don't do any pay for performance or shared revenues or anything like that. It's very straightforward. Um, I, I've been in the, in the performance-based pay world for a long time, and we chose to keep it clean, keep it honest, and we get paid uh, on an hourly or monthly basis from our clients. We pay our teams the same way. Um, we also don't want to get in a situation where if certain companies have additional spiffs or things, something might be more alluring to others that we might <laughs> have students want to jump around to different campaigns because all of our campaigns are very right. important. Um, so Interesting. Uh, then can I assume it's more than like just minimum wage? Because uh, I mean... Or, or maybe it is, and it's just the experience that, that they're looking for. I mean, is it a little bit of both? Yeah, it, well, it was above minimum wage until uh, the state of Florida passed the increased minimum wage. It'll start going up now over the right. next few years. But what we do is we, we bring students in at a very modest hourly rate, and we actually have a career pathing for part-time students. So every every time they reach another milestone in terms of hours worked here, say it's you know, 250 hours, 500 hours, 750 hours, they get raises in their pay. 
because the longer that somebody's with us, uh, they become incredibly valuable once they really understand what we're doing. And, and we, reward, we reward them for that. And we want to keep that longevity. And, and look, we realize that we're going to have a student anywhere from second semester sophomore to probably first or second semester seniors. So we got about that two-year window. And, we, and, and once they go to graduate, they might have a uh, – they might have an opportunity with a selling factory if we have some full-time management positions available. Uh, but more than anything, we want to help them find a great job and be happy and take the skills and what they've learned here and apply it to whatever their next uh, adventure is going to be. Well, it's good for you to sprinkle some alumni around, huh? Cause they'll call you later <laughs> if they need help. It is, it is planting seeds when that happens. And we, and we stay, we stay in touch with our alumni we have a LinkedIn group for our alumni. So once they graduate from school, they enter the LinkedIn group. We, uh, we keep tabs on them, check in with them. I mean, we, we, we love these students. They're incredible. And we build really strong relationships with them and, and definitely stay in touch. We bring them back as speakers to our students uh, after they spend two, three years in career. Uh, most of the time telling our current students just do the work because it's going to get a lot harder when you graduate. <laughs> There's these things called mega quotas <laughs> and expectations. And then you throw on mortgage payments and families and everything on top of that. So just absorb all you can while you're at the selling factory. Yep. Um, and so this is, it's all B2B, right? So the vast majority of what we do is B2B. We do have a couple of pretty good sized clients of ours that are in the B2C space, but it's more of handling inbound traffic and responding to form fills or, or um, website, uh, website forms that are filled out. We don't do, we, we strictly do not do any cold residential telemarketing or anything like that. We, we, we're, we want to stay away from a, stay away from that world. But uh, I'd say we're probably 70 to 80% B2B and uh, 20 to 30% uh, inbound B2C. Is, is anyone too small for you? You know, can any size business outsource to you? Yeah, that's fine. So four years ago, there was no company too small to work with us. Um, when we launched the company, we're going, hey, look, we just got to get clients in the door, get some revenue in the door. Now, since then, we've become a lot more disciplined and realized that a company needs, what we look for with companies, uh, a company that has revenue, they are selling their product, service, or platform, uh, preferably have a sales team unless we are going to be their sales team. So if we're going to act in an SDR capacity and they have an account executive team, that's ideal. Uh, if they have the budget and the funds to, to want to invest in a team at the selling factory and, and hopefully on a long-term basis, um, that's what we look for as well. We, we used to work with a lot of early stage startups, uh, startup companies and, and Gainesville itself has a, a, has a fantastic uh, startup commu tech community here. But uh, even, you know, Tampa, Atlanta, Orlando, a lot of the company or a lot of the cities that we uh, that we um, spend a lot of time uh, networking in. If the company is too small, we typically say, look, let, let's let, let's talk when you get a little more inbound coming in, a little more revenue for, for a few reasons. One is patience. Oftentimes startups don't have patience, which is completely understandable. And, and there have been times when we have been setting appointments, setting meetings for these account executive teams, and they just get overwhelmed. And they have to say, okay, let's, 
hit pause for a while. We got to catch up on, we got to hire some more account executives or whatever it might be. So we, we don't want either to be the case. We want to be able to make sure that we're growing alongside them and putting the right amount of resources on a team to make sure that it's controlled growth. Right. So a client comes to you, you're the SDR team, you know, in commercial construction, like, will they give you a list and say, Hey, here's, you know, here's 500 entities, you know, go get them. Uh, Are you supposed to do the research? Like, how does that work? It really depends on how established the company is and how big their marketing engine is. We have, I'd say the majority of our companies nowadays are providing us with the list uh, where they'll say, okay, you're going to plug into our CRM. We've got 5,000 or 10,000 leads in there that your team's going to start going after. Uh, We do though have a team, a a team within a team here at the selling factory that does build lists. So we'll use, we'll be able to scrape databases and do some website searches, search through LinkedIn try to find uh, um, opportunities that we can start doing some list building for, but there's so many tools out there nowadays, whether it's zoom info or or other big companies like that, that can provide data. Um, We, 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 we certainly prefer it when the client can say, here's the data now, now get after it. Yeah. And does the client provide the script or do you provide it? Uh, If they have a built out team, uh, we have a client right now that has uh, 15 SDR seats. So they have f- 15 seats there. And what they've done is they've issued us, say, four or five of those 15 seats. Um, we're, we're filling those seats with our part-time students. It's about four students is about the equivalent. It's one full-time equivalent in terms of hours worked. Um, if that's the case, they're handing us their playbook. And they're saying, okay, here's the script that works. Here's the cadence. Here's where you jump in. Um, here's the CRM access, we'll build out the SOP for it, train on it. And then we, we do a lot of training off what they've already built. If it's a company that is a little earlier stage, maybe just building a sales team for the first time, we definitely work with them and collaborate on, uh, writing scripts, um, building out call to actions, cadences, email, uh, and phone. Um, cause we, we've done that now for so many companies, we can apply some of the best practices that we've learned to that. And, and then build it out that way. So if it's four people, though, to equal one, like, does the client, do they have to buy four additional seats on their CRM? Or can, like, one person, can they all share one login? But then, like, how do you track, you know, each individual's yeah. activity? Sure. That's, that's, that's a great question. Uh, usually they'll just, they'll have to issue more licenses from the CRM. Uh, you know, that we want to make sure everything we're doing is fits in whatever the rules and guidelines are, whether it's Salesforce or HubSpot or, or SharpSpring or, or whichever it may be. Um, so yeah, usually they're issuing a, a new license for each person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you do when the client? gives you crap. <laughs> I mean, like a script, right? So many are so bad. I mean, I would say the majority are bad. It's like, I think they, they survive just on brute force and name recognition or the salesperson's talented and just kind of adjust on the fly. You know, how do you, how do you balance like, okay, I, we'll, we'll do what you say versus, Oh man, would you mind if I tweak it a little bit? Cause it's not very good. Like, how do you balance that? 
Well, one thing we do is we adjust quickly as we're doing our outreach and getting our team up and going. So if we're making outbound calls, say for a two or three weeks and we're getting nothing, um, we'll quickly go back to the client and say, we got, we got to change something here. Um, if they have, we do a lot of what's working and what's not working on your current team. So if you have a, a company that does have an SDR team and what we'll, we'll, we get, we, we roll our sleeves up and we go through our onboarding and we say, okay, show us the good, but show us the bad too. Show us what's not working so that we can try to stay away from that. And if they give us something, we know that we have the talent that can do the work and get them trained up on that. So if it's working on their end, it's going to work on our end. Uh, the, the challenge becomes if, if it's a smaller company that we're having to do that build out with, there is some testing and tuning with that. We sure. may start one, the, the message we start with might not be the message we end with two or three months later. Right. And are you getting your business by eating your own dog food? Do you have, are you hiring some of these kids to, to do outreach for you or is it more SEO, PPC, things like that? Yeah, d definitely the latter. Uh, the challenge with our business is we, we have to, we have to, when we grow, we do it very methodically and it's very controlled. Uh, we, we can't just sign up 10 new clients in a month and, and go to town. So we're bringing on one, maybe two new clients per month because we're, we're an extension of their team and we really want to make sure it's as much of a fit for them working with us as it is, as it is with, uh, with us working with them. So we, we, I am the lead salesperson for the company, but we have several of our uh, leadership team here that can be an ambassador of the company. We do engage in some, some targeted email outreach to particular segments if we see something that's really interesting to us. Um, but other than that, I'd say the vast majority of the business we get is through referral, uh, inbound, or they find us on a Google search and say, wow, that's an interesting concept. I want to learn more. And then we schedule a meeting. You know, if you hired some LSU folks, you could probably like one could probably replace four, you know, but I mean, we can talk about that offline, you know, it's just, just a recommendation, you know, just something I've seen from the outside. <laughs> um, so, so what is working on outbound? I mean, with COVID, it's harder to reach. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I've seen some, some say it's easier, some say it's harder that they're not at the office, right? Are you, are you calling cell phones or are calls being routed? You know, is, is there still an executive assistant or a receptionist answering and, and routing calls? You know, like what have you seen uh, over this last 18 months and, and, and how is it progressing? Well, luckily the, the target markets that we're going after on behalf of our clients are ones that have, that never closed uh, or they're small to me, they're SMBs. And most likely if the business is not, if people are not showing up at the business and it's going, it's getting forwarded to phone somewhere else, uh, that seems to be the case as well. But uh, we, we, we haven't seen, we haven't seen a, a big drop off in contact rates because of COVID. Uh, now what we, what we did see was a very large change in our customer base. Uh, we did have about a year ago, a little longer, um, several of our clients had to hit pause with us because they're focused on the trade show industry or the convention industry or the hospitality industry, which all just got hit so hard. But then on the flip side, we had a bunch of companies reaching out to us saying, I can't find people. You're making remote work somehow with your team, with your team being hundred percent remote. Now this is going back a few months. And so, but we got to, we got to, we got to get some outreach going because we don't know how to make remote work. 
Uh, we don't know how to have a distributed team and you guys have figured it out. So it, it what, what was very scary uh, about a year ago, 14 months ago, uh, has actually turned into a boon for us. So thankfully we've been on the, the, the winning side of, of this really uh, crazy, crazy year we've yeah. had. So are all of your people still remote or are they coming into the office? We're starting to bring students back into the office now. Our leadership team started coming back in. We have, we have about 75 students. We had about, we actually, we almost hit 80 students this past spring semester. And we really took a lot of direction from the University of Florida. So University of Florida went fully remote March 12th of last year. We went fully remote right after that. We went to 100% in-person to 100% remote. And it took a couple of weeks, but thankfully our students are so darn tech savvy and just caught on super fast working out of Zoom, Slack, um, our, our project management tools, CRMs, our voice over IP system that has a calling app. All of that was actually pretty good. And so now we're at a point where University of Florida is bringing students back for, for summer semester and heading into fall. And we're starting to do that as well. It's still been a little different. I mean, it's uh, we wish more students were coming into the office, but a lot of them got used to working remotely and going to school remotely. And you, know, you can you can go to class from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and switch off one Zoom meeting, go to the next one at one o'clock and start your shift at the selling factory without having any commute yeah. time in there. So that so it's something some where we, we do realize that we want to bring our students back in the experience that they have us coaching them, working with them and, and really the camaraderie that they build with the others on the team is just spectacular. Mm -hmm. And so our goal heading into the fall semester is to get at least the majority of our team back in the office. Yeah. I was going to ask like, where do they get quiet places? But I guess if they have a quiet place to attend a zoom meeting uh, for lecture, they, that place is probably quiet enough to make outbound calls. huh? Yeah. They've all, they all have a bedroom, whether it's in a dorm or a fraternity or sorority house or a, uh, a off-campus apartment or, or a house off-campus, um, they typically have their own bedroom. And as long as they have good, that's been the biggest thing is if they don't have good Wi-Fi, yeah. uh, good good yeah. signal, that and I'd say probably five percent of the time that that's been an issue where they just have bad service for some reason. So they'll have to make other arrangements. But it's uh, it's it. What'll be interesting is when we get back to uh, some normalcy this fall and in comes football games and tailgating and uh, uh, all the uh, sorority and fraternity events. And, and th that, that'll be interesting to see how that now works in a remote environment, which is why we're really wanting to bring students back in the office come fall. Yeah. Um, so like what, what doesn't work like when it comes to scripting? I mean, what are some like no-no's? our listeners can jot down um, when, when using the phone, trying to grow their business. So we have really emphasized being short to the point, courteous, empathetic, and transparent. Any of those nice words that you want to think of uh, when, when we see scripting with a lot of the, just kind of sleazy questions that are in there. Sometimes we get this from clients that say, Hey, this, we think this script would work. And it's any, any sentence that starts out with what if I told you type of situation we're going, no, we're not going to go with the, 
what if I told you that today and today only I can get you 20% off this first order? No, we're, we're not doing that. Uh, so we, we keep it very, uh, and that's the nice thing about our students is the fact that they don't have uh, a lot of sales experience. They don't have bad habits. And, and, and I, I dealt with this for years uh, in, the, in the energy industry where we had uh, huge, we, had, we ran a, a very large inside sales team and you get people in with some pretty bad habits that you have to unwind. And that hasn't been the case with our students, which is great. But yeah, we just, we just try to keep it. How do we want to get, how do, want, how do I want to be pitched to? If, if a vendor sends me an email or happens to get me on the phone and they're courteous, they get to the point, uh, they're, they're, they realize that they're bugging me right now and, and taking uh, time out of my day, I usually give them a few minutes. Um, but if, 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 if it's, uh, if it's sleazy in any way, or like you're trying to trick them into something, that's where we have to, uh, we got to stop it there. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing just economically? Like, are, are things picking up or people optimistic? Um, the S and P, you know, the stock markets keep hitting new highs, but others are like, I can't get any supplies. I saw things Starbucks said, you know, it was one location, but they're saying, you got to only use our drive-through in the morning. Like they don't have enough people to, to staff. Yeah. And some are saying like they don't, they can't get cups. They can't get sugar you know, at a Starbucks. So, I mean, is there, are people optimistic? Are they cautiously optimistic? Do they think, you know, we're reaching a top and they're kind of starting to plan for the worst? Like, what are you seeing as far as the temperature of business? I would say that, yeah, I would say that they're cautious as a whole. I would probably put them in the bucket of cautiously optimistic. But from our from our clients and the other companies that we speak with all the time, the biggest issue they have is finding people. That is the biggest issue. It's not just a, a, a fast food restaurant or an hourly retail or a restaurant, uh, you know, hotel restaurant issue. I mean, it's rampant. It is. It's everywhere. I mean, we've got, we, we have companies we work with that, I mean, they've raised a hundred million dollars in funding and they've got a 200 person company and they cannot find people for these entry level roles. Uh, and so that's, that, that's what, that's what I hear the most trepidation about is what's going to happen with the labor market. Is it going to come back? Are people going to want to take these entry level jobs again at the rate at which we need them? Because you've gone from the economy being shut down to now it's like the wild, wild West. And it's like labor's trying to keep up with it. Um, and so we'll see. Uh, I, thankfully, we're, we're kind of shielded from that because our labor force are students that are at a university. So it's like having a captive audience, um, you know, but we but we we recognize that that could affect us as well. There could be a, a time when, gosh, if if uh, if if a restaurant starts paying twenty two dollars an hour for for a, for a wait staff job. Well, that's, that's going to be an issue for us. <laughs> Luckily that's not the case right now, but I'd say labor is really the biggest thing that we're seeing the most fear around. Right. So how long do you say it takes for one of these new students to get up to speed, you know, and be confident on the phone? It probably takes as a whole, I would say probably two weeks of them actively doing the work to start feeling comfortable with it. We have our outliers. We have some that just, for some reason, they do, it, it just isn't sticking. And we do some extra coaching with them. We have some that it's like they were fired out of a cannon. They the first day and second day on a campaign and they're killing it. Um, so it, 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 we've seen both sides, but I would say it's probably a, a, on average about two weeks before they are 
uh, feeling comfortable in producing. Two weeks of, of 10 to 15 hours a week or mm-hmm. like two full weeks, like 80 hours? No, no, I'd say two weeks of 10 to 15 hours a week, because keep in mind too, we're, we're, it's, it's very, uh, we have this, we have everything laid out in terms of the SOP, the script, yeah. we do role-playing and training on the script before they even enter a client's campaign. So we are doing some prep work on that. But, uh, and, and as I mentioned earlier in, in the call, we're, we're not going super deep into, um, sure. into the, the selling, selling cycle for a, for a company, just kind of skim, skimming the surface, a uh, lot of volume. Um, and so that, that lends itself to a quick ramp up. Um, have you seen a, a tendency towards male or female? Is it 50, 50, you know, any variance in that? So we went through and really looked in the mirror in, in, in terms of the makeup of our team. And I would say probably early, late 2019, early 2020, we were predominantly male. We were, I think we were probably 60, 40, maybe 65, 35 male, female, which made sense. Uh, you, you get a, you think a lot of business majors, they want to go into sales and a lot of it, it's, it's a little more uh, dominant or teetered on the male side. What we, what we did though, is we realized that we, we really needed to diversify and get more of the female population into the selling factor. So we, we, we did change our recruiting strategy. Come to find now that uh, we're now probably 55 to 60% female and probably, you know, fi- uh, you know a little bit less than on the male side. Uh, what we've found, though, is that the, the females have done an incredible job leading campaigns. And, you know, I would say probably 75 to 80% of the top producers on our campaigns are female. Uh, we're still trying to figure out why <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an incredible phenomenon. And so we are doing everything we can. We actually wrote a, one of our students wrote a really good blog about this. That's it's on our uh, website and we posted on our LinkedIn page about women in sales and, and, and a lot of the, the, the hurdles that they've had to cross unnecessarily. And so we are, we are, all in on seeing if we can support as many females as possible entering this line of work because they're incredible. Very cool. It's um, sales is a great people, man, we get a bad rap. I mean, to sell, (laughs) you got to have your act together, right? You got to, you got to read people. You got to listen. You got to think on your feet. Um, There's a lot that goes into it. And, um, so this is cool what you're doing. Um, and you'd already mentioned, I mean, kind of a, a broad swath of majors, but I mean, is it, is it still relatively narrowly focused? I mean, you don't have like mechanical engineers coming in saying they want to be in sales, right? Marketing, maybe journalism or, you know, pre-med, but knowing they want to get into sales, is it, is it still somewhat narrow? Yeah, I would say we've had – we've probably had 300 students work for us in the last four years. And I could probably count on probably two hands, how many were engineering, uh, pre-med, um, 
and it's not that they they want a job in sales, therefore they're going to come to the selling factory. A lot of times is I want to learn a new skill. I realize that if I'm going to be a surgeon, I have to know how to communicate with people. If I'm going to be an engineer, I know how I, I need to know how to communicate with a product designer or the, or the customer potentially. So it's it's not just I'm going to go into a the field of sales upon graduation. Many of them do, and I would say most business majors are going to enter the world of sales. Uh, whether you're finance or marketing or management or whatever it might be. If you're in journalism, advertising and communications, you might be more on the marketing side, social media side, but even there, a lot of those uh, students are going to end up in sales positions. Yeah. Very cool. And so companies from around the country can hire you. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've have, we have clients in, uh, Palo Alto to New York to Chicago to Miami to Tampa to Colorado, uh, we are we are ge- geographically agnostic. Um, that's a nice thing about hiring an outsourced team. But having a having a having a team of students um, and, and one thing I didn't mention earlier is we are actually expanding to other schools now. Uh, so it's going to oh, give nice. us a little more. Uh, re, you know, maybe more regional type focus. Uh, we announced recently that uh, we have now started recruiting from University of Georgia. You being an LSU guy would probably appreciate that. Uh, so University of Georgia and Athens. Uh, we're, <laughs> we, uh, uh, we also, we also started, uh, uh, we're going to start this fall recruiting from University of Wisconsin at uh, Madison. So what we're looking for in terms of our expansion is how we can take the model that we've built in Gainesville and replicate that to other college towns with top universities throughout the country. So there's probably a dozen of those, you know, top 30, top 40 universities in college towns. You You think college station, Texas or Madison, Wisconsin, Athens, Georgia, just like Gainesville, Florida, a hundred to 200,000 people, very large, highly ranked university um, and, uh, and really a captive audience for us to come in and build out a site if we find that it's a good fit and then be, and really be able to tie into the alumni basis of those schools that are all business owners and executives at companies that could utilize that. So there's an emotional tie there too. I mean, we're all pretty much all of us are Gators here. We do have an Ohio state guy who's a co-founder, but uh, outside of that uh, we're all Gators, but the model can work. Uh, with other university uh, towns and top-ranked universities. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, the nice thing with college students, I mean, if they were bartending, they'd work till 2 a.m., so they don't mind working till 9 p.m. to support a West Coast company, right, calling Mm -hmm. until 5 or 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, It's not that big a deal. That that is a huge benefit is they – they, their, their schedules are not like, I mean, I'm a 43 year old guy with a family. I have a nine year old daughter and it's, it's very difficult for me to, to, to do outreach from 8 PM right. to 11 PM. Uh, but, right. but our students are equipped to do that. And we're, we're actually open on weekends. We have students that work weekend shifts as well, sure. uh, which is very hard to staff for if you're looking for full-time, uh, full-time support. Yeah. I've had two graduate college and two in college right now. And, and I'm like, hey, work, <laughs> work. I told my daughter yesterday, we were, we were driving to dinner. So, oh, it's summer. She's uh, going to be a junior in high school. I said, that means you can now, you can do 60 and 80 hour work weeks now. Now school won't get in the way. She's, you know, I get the eye roll. 
No respect. Yeah. respect. It has to be, has to be, has to be their idea. You have to make it their idea somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Very cool. So your website, so it's the selling factory.com. All right. Um, you've got all types yep. of resources there. I'm on your homepage now where students learn entrepreneurs grow and companies thrive. Very cool. Anything else? Anywhere else we should mention or just go there, start perusing and, uh, and take it from there? Yeah, I would encourage people to uh, check out our website. You're right at thesellingfactory.com. Uh, we're very active on LinkedIn uh, and you can uh, on our LinkedIn company page for The Selling Factory. And you can also find myself, Bradley Gamble, uh, on LinkedIn as well. And love, love chatting with people, even if we're not a good fit for somebody. I just love talking with other entrepreneurs and other leaders and, and, and people in the field of sales. Uh, what, when we are extremely transparent, brutally transparent about what we're good at, what we're not good at, and whether or not we're a good fit for a company. So uh, we've, we've definitely had some great conversations with companies that we realize, hey, we're not going to be the best fit for you. You should maybe try this, this, or this instead. It'd be better use of your money, um, which has been an incredible uh technique not even technique it's just the way we are to our core super honest super transparent um but it's funny oftentimes uh clients or prospects will say well hold on wait i think i would be a good fit let me tell you why <laughs> so it's so we're like no no hold on it's you, you'd be much better off trying something else uh d- yeah. don't hire us <laughs> it almost makes you more attractive at that sometimes i know i i tell more people no than yes you know a guy hit me up last week mm-hmm. he's in real estate and his and his CRM is dialed in, but it doesn't do a couple of things. So he's like, hey, I'm not going to switch. You know, and we got to talking and I was like, no, dude. <laughs> you know, he was in real estate. I was like, basically, you're telling me you have a three bedroom, two bath house and you want to move houses because it doesn't have the patio you like. I'm like, build a patio. I mean, you don't move for a patio, <laughs> you know, like if you told me you're, you know, in a one bedroom condo and you're getting married and having a baby and your in-laws are moving in. Okay. Yeah. You got to move. But that wasn't the problem. You know, he's like, you could hear him pause. He's like, man, I've, you're the first one to tell me this. I'm like, dude, I, I don't want your money. Yeah. And then you start yelling and bad mouthing me online. Cause that'll never go away. You know? So. Yeah. We, we have a, a one of our, values is never to burn a bridge and even if even if we're not it's not a good fit with a company we do everything we can to help them with the transition to another alternative or something else and leave on very good good terms because oftentimes downstream they end up referring another company to us so never it it, it only feeds the ego to burn a bridge so we we don't like to do that kidding all right bradley gamble the selling factory all the way from gainesville man thanks for coming on the show it's been great Show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, bring your best each day. Amen. Amen. So I've got to show up on time to the airport, all right? So got to pack it up. Uh, Please check out Vidyard, check out what Bradley is up to, get you a little quiz under your belt, best CRM for me, dot com. And uh, if you want some help growing your sales, hit me up, okay? Thesaleswhisper.com, go to the contact us and we will talk. Thanks for listening. I'll go sell something.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.